wearing my own merch. It's one of those kind of days. What's up, kids? How are you doing today? I've been doing all right. I've been, you know, I've been keeping going, keeping moving, keeping, keeping, I was going to say keeping frisky, but that seems like a weird, weird introduction to a podcast to say you're keeping frisky. That's how, you'd be disturbed if someone came along to you in the street and said, hey, how are you doing today? And they said, oh, keeping frisky. You'd back away. There wouldn't be much, uh, much else to say in that situation. We are keeping frisky. Please don't ever meet me and say, you're keeping frisky. I, I will be slightly disturbed by the whole situation. For those of you on the video portion, you may notice that my hair has changed um, this week compared to what is the week coming. And that's because I'm filming these out of sequence. It's it's September where I am. I'm ahead of the game, but I'm also behind the game. I'm 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 nowhere in the game. I'm spending time doing things, and it's it's confusing and and un, untoward. And I say untoward. I don't even know. No, it's not untoward. That's not it's not a way to describe. I'm bad at describing things. That's what's becoming apparent through the very beginning of this podcast. Is that I'm just terrible at describing things. And I, maybe I, maybe I should stop. I don't know. Hundred and something episodes. 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 What words? I'm not getting words out today. That's what we're establishing. I'm wasting so much time at the beginning of this. We're almost two minutes in. I haven't even broached the topic. I haven't even gotten into the nitty gritty of it. And I've spent so much time just throwing this away. And weirdly, I'm automatically connecting into the thing we're going to talk about today. Sip a coffee. Think about it two seconds in my head. And here we go. So, kids, so, currently I'm trying to learn German. I've mentioned this to a few friends and um, colleagues, as it were, or people I know, people I've communicated with, and the topic has come up about language, and i mentioned that I'm trying to learn German. I am struggling to learn German. It's probably a better way to work this. I'm not trying to learn German. I am struggling to learn German, because as much as I can vocab in this manner, and as much as, you know, I like to get wordy, and I know some words, you know, not all of them, but some of them, the majority, but most words, I feel like maybe I, I know more words than there is words to know in a percentile range, if we remove scientific terms. I will caveat that because people keep inventing new words for scientific things. But in terms of language, general day-to-day language, I know, you know, I'd say I know about 80%, over half of how to communicate. So there's occasionally there's words which come out of nowhere and I have no idea what they mean. But I struggle. You know, I'm not naturally a writer. Anyone who's read my work knows that I'm not naturally a writer. I write a lot like how I speak, which means I'm pretty good at writing dialogue. Um, And I can imagine how people speak and I can put on inflections to imitate language and that a lot of that comes from my my youth growing up trying to imitate people um not to do impressions but to fit in that's what you do right it's a self-defense mechanism you say to yourself ah well that person's well liked and they fit in and you know no one's picking on them maybe if i imitate them everything will be fine i have a a quite sad story i can tell you about that Uh, i have quite a curly hair as we've established and it's only in recent years i've kind of really come to fully accept the fluff factor as a an appealing factor um but when I was younger, I always had short hair. Now, having short hair when it's curly can be an absolute minefield. 
fucking absolute minefield. And it very much becomes a case of being a kid who is overweight, with short hair, who the blushes easily, you become a target for everyone who's making themselves feel better by bullying. Um, and obviously it was the 90s, so everyone was doing that thing where you, like, gel the front of your hair and make it stick up, like, you know, someone's just in your hair. And I was like, ah, well, everyone's gelling their hair. Well, clearly I need to gel my hair. That will make me fit in. That will That will get rid of the fact that I'm the only person in my class with, like, curly hair, like proper curly hair. Um, it did not go well. No, it did not go well. I arrived at school on my push bike with gel in my hair, proper and prim, proud of what was happening. Um, and the first thing that happened was I arrived and a girl who I will call out, Christina. There's no way Christina's ever going to see this. <laughs> Instantly pointed out. I was like, why are you doing that to your hair? It looks stupid. So... I then uh, lied and said that my brother had put it in my hair and then rubbed all the gel out of my hair uh, within that next hour. And, uh, yeah, carry, carried on my day, as it were. But, well, I have completely gone off completely gone off point. But that's, yeah, giving in to peer pressure and then giving in to peer pressure again for a nice little sad story about me in primary school. Welcome to the podcast. Anyway, I was saying, I'm trying to learn German. So language doesn't come naturally to me. I have a weird memory, I find. I have a memory for little things which mean nothing. And, yeah, important things, things which would actually be valuable to me, unless I'm doing them every single day, they just drift. They go out of my head. They, they, they just don't stay. It's the same with jobs. I've had it in jobs all the time. Like, I'm pretty good at my job. I've been good at other jobs. When I was working at HMV, I was really good at using the, um, the computer system, which they have. They have, like, quite an archaic system. Um, but it was like, you know, you, you just type in numbers on a numpad and everything, you know, does what it's meant to do. Now, I did that for two months during a Christmas period. And then I went back a year later to do it again. And I could not remember. It took me two days. And then I was back into it, like back into the flow. All clicked in, muscle memory clicked in. And I find that a lot. If I'm not repeating the thing which I'm doing every single day, it just dissolves. It just evaporates from my head. And that that's one of the things, the reasons why I draw, draw so much is I think you have to keep it going every single day because it does just drift. And the same with painting or, you know, sculpting or whatever you're doing. And it is, it's that 10,000 hours thing. But at the same time, I feel like I could put in, you know, a year into language and I'd still forget it after a week. Like, it's that level of drip from my head that it just evolves, evolves, dissolves, and it's gone. It just doesn't stick. So I've got a streak. I'm using Duolingo. Um, and I've got a streak. It's about 157 days now at this time going. And this isn't the first time I've done this. I've done this before, which is how I know this. it doesn't stick. I think I had like a 300-day streak going at one point on Duolingo. And I got really far. There's like chapters you can get into. I got I think I got like chapter three. Um, and that's a, that's a lot of different like... like the, the weird little cubes on Duolingo, like circles which establish your progress. I had a lot of them. Got loads of those. Got loads of experience on it. And then I stopped doing it one day and I didn't pick it up. And then when I went back to do German this time around and went, oh, we'll start from scratch. We'll go back to the beginning. I couldn't remember like any of it. It just did not stick. Apart from like the occasional um, noun, it just it just not did not rent. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because I've essentially... German's kind of useless to me 
future-wise, as far as I know of my plans of the world. You know, I do plan on going back to Germany at some point. I want to go back to Berlin and explore Berlin more. And I want to go to Munich and different places in Germany. Um, and I really want to go to the Black Forest. I, I realize that forests are a thing. And once you've seen one, and you've seen a lot of them. But I really want to go to the Black Forest. I, just, I, want, to, I want to experience that and go experience that. So learning German will be useful to an extent in the sense of help, I'm lost. Um, and uh, can I have coffee? <laughs> Learning those phrases uh, are valuable to me because it makes it easier for me to get the things which I need and to to get help, as it were. But what would be more useful to me logistically would probably be to learn a larger language. And a lot of people found this, I think, when we were like in senior school. We were learning French, German, and I was learning Russian at the time. Again, another language just didn't stick. And they introduced Mandarin so you could learn Mandarin. And Mandarin is one of the most spoken read languages in the entire world because China's huge. And that seemed like a much more useful thing. And they also introduced Spanish. And Spanish, again, is one of the biggest languages in the world. And those languages just seemed way more useful because, like, German is specific to Germany. There is places, obviously, outside of Germany where they do speak German. But it's, it's a fairly specific language. If you leave Germany, mostly you're not going to encounter people speaking German. They know this. That's why when you go to Germany, Germans tend to be fluent in English because they know that their language is local to them. And they haven't, you know, got that over-ambitious colonial mindset, which we had because of, you know, history. But so I was thinking to myself that I should probably learn Spanish or Mandarin, right? Those are, those are two languages. And I was like, right, okay, well, that's great. But I've, I've got this streak going of 150 days and I feel like I'm going to forget German the instant I stop doing it daily, which is kind of sad. And it's sad, but it's sad in, in like a grander scheme of things. It reminded me of something which I was already going to discuss, because the reason I, di I don't want to start Spanish is I can't, I can't run two languages at the same time. I'm just not that clever. <laughs> I just can't do it. So... I'm going to have to drop one to do the other, which means I'm going to have to accept that I'm going to lose German. Now, in my brain, it's saying to me, you wasted 150 days learning German when you should have been learning Spanish, which means you failed, you should feel terrible, you're an idiot, why would you even do this to yourself? And my brain's doing that all kind of thing. And now it reminded me of what um, someone else was saying of, when you work so long on a project or you work so long on an idea, you basically get into a mindset of even if this idea is going to fail, I should like keep going with it, right? Even though it's going to fail and even though I know it's going to be terrible and the, the outcome of it will damage everything, not referencing my current government, but even if you know that, your brain just goes, no, we need to, we need to keep going. We, need to keep, we invested so much time in this so much energy in this so many resources in this and it's the same with relationships a lot of people stay in crappy relationships because you've got this long-term plan you've got this view you spent you know you spent five years with this person are you just going to leave them what about that five years and you gotta you gotta really fight that mindset in a way so there's a term for it which i, I can't remember who told me it but it's basically the sunk cost fallacy what the word the way it words is is that if you've done for something for so long and you've spent enough time and spend money into it that you will think that stopping is failure and not progression that restarting isn't progression 
that you have essentially just wasted all that time, which isn't true, guys. Isn't true, which is why after this week, I will be stopping German and starting to pick up Spanish. It just isn't true. What you need to do is you need to look at it instead of like, I've spent all this time doing the wrong thing, therefore if I throw it away, it's wasted. You think, I've spent so much time learning what not to do. I've spent so much time learning all the things which you shouldn't do around this idea. I've Yes, I've spent money on it. I've, I've done this, that, and the other. And I have invested effort, resources into this product idea or project as a learning experience. And that's the difference. That's how you catch it in your mind so you don't feel like an absolute waste of space. I recently watched my dad go through it. Um, so he's been, he's essentially he's re he's redoing what's it, what's the word refurbishing a classic car right now. He, he retired sometime in the last couple of years, and he he's been redoing this classic car, and he spent a lot of time on it. He spent a lot of money on it. He's it, it's his passion project at the minute. It's his hobby of his, and he he wants to refurb it and make it nice. And then I don't know what he's going to do with it. He might keep it. He might he might sell on. But he's been redoing this, and he was getting to a point where everything was going right apart from one core aspect which was the engine wasn't working right just just the engine wasn't working and he's going on and on and on and like trying to figure out what's wrong with it and spending more money to replace bits and gradually stripping it back and replacing some extra bits and in the end it ended up being one minor part like one little part and that's an example of someone you know fully invested in an idea fully invested in something which if it had failed and it had gotten to a point where he had to stop he would have felt terrible he would have felt like the world had ended he spent all this money and then essentially just had to buy a new engine and he he would have it would be hard not to look at that and feel like you failed like you messed up in some major way but what he would have had and the way he would probably think of it because we're very similar is that he would have looked at it and gone hey well actually what i did was i spent a year and a half learning all the ins and outs of this machine, all the ins and outs of this engine and everything which goes into it and all the turning parts. And yes, it resulted in me deciding eventually, hey, I need to buy a new engine, but now I have that new engine. Should anything go wrong in the future, I'm probably going to know what it is, right? I'm probably going to understand everything which has happened with it and why it's doing the thing it's done because I did all of that research. It's essentially forced research. It's forced education of yourself when you go through a project which has failed. I discussed this a while back when I had uh, Charlotte Greenlee on. We said you need to f- you need to learn to fail, right? You need to. That's something we don't really treat, teach ourselves is that you need to learn to fail. You need to look at your life and say to yourself, hey, it's okay to fail. And failing can lead to progress. It's not sunk cost. It's, it's you know, it's just progressive learning. It's in-depth learning. And ignore the fact that, the, the you know, the minor finite time which everything, you know, drives us to the grave and all those kinds of things. You just need to ignore that. You need to embrace this calamity as a as a calamity this is this is the, well, one of the main things you problems you see and I, I mentioned the government before is is with governments with any government not just the uk government but any government is that when someone has an idea and they lay out an idea and they say we're going to do this we're going to provide the whole world with cake and halfway down the line they realize well this might not work or this will work but 
it's going to cause all of these negative things. And we've got a while till we stop these negative things. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be embarrassed that we said we can provide the whole world a cake because we got something wrong. So they'll never admit they're wrong, and that's what politicians do. They never really admit they're wrong. Even when they U-turn, it's not, we were wrong. It's, we couldn't, you know, no one could have predicted this, and we're doing the right moves to put it correct. It's not our fault, it's somebody else's fault. And that's what they do. That's essentially the, the byline of every single politician in the world. And that's, it's that blind, you know, blindness, as it were. That, that blind ego, which keeps you driving and keeps you going. Now, sunk cost, to me, in a way, is more valuable than anything else, right? It doesn't even matter in the end about the projects. These projects don't matter. The things I do don't matter. People could say, I've spent 170 episodes discussing nothing. Why would I even do it? Why would I stop doing it? And they'd say, oh, so you do, the reason you don't stop is because you spent so much time doing it and you feel like you failed. I say, no, the reason I keep going is because I enjoy doing them. So, First of all, fuck you. But <laughs> it's just, it's an ongoing thing. But all of this is learning. Every single year I improve something. Every single year I tweak something. I adjust something. This year I did a little experiment with podcast, which no one's mentioned yet. But I, I do little things and I twist things and I tweak things. And it's not sunk cost that I spent a year doing it in a way, especially if you find out the new thing works much better. It's not sunk cost fallacy. It's not, you know, wasted time. It's just progression. That's all it is. It's just because you can't commodify failure, essentially, that it does seem like a loss. And that's the reality for a lot of people, is that if you, if you can't commodify something and you can't make profit from something, then it's not worth anything. And you can't do that with failure. You can't make money from failing, apart from what the stage show the producers tells you. You can't make money from failing, and you can't make money by going, hey, this will, this will, you know, this is going to break because you're going to lose money in the same same sense. It, but you can make money from it in the sense of it will give you everything you need to go and do it again, or to inform others. That's the other half of it. You know, your loss and your fail and your learning will be valuable to other people. This is why when I do projects, I strip things down so much, right? So much. The amount of times I've started a project, which it's essentially been me doing a project, looking at something and going, well, I want this thing. And talking to friends about this thing, which I want. And saying, hey, I've got this idea. And them saying, well, you know, you can buy those things or you can do those things. Um, or what you want doesn't exist. And it couldn't exist. And I take those a little bit of a challenge. And I say, hey, hmm, couldn't and doesn't exist. Fantastic. I'm going to make it exist. You know, I want to try and make it exist. I'm not anything special. I don't think, you know, other people who have tried and said no concurrently won't exist. My brain just goes, well, what if there's a chance? You know, what if there's a chance I accidentally stumble across the solution to this problem? What, what if there's a chance that I accidentally say, hey, you know, what if I do this, this, and this? And it's just something they haven't thought of. It doesn't need to be anything groundbreaking. It can literally be putting one box, ticking one box compared to another box, and it suddenly fixes everything. It's not that someone's a genius. It's just, oh, well, they tr they tried it in a slightly different way, and it happened to work. And that's why when I get a project and I get that initial idea, I automatically go for the DIY. I automatically do. I already reach out, and I am go, right, we're going to build this. I'm going to build this. I'm going to create this. I'm going to do something with it, and we're going to expand it. So I learn everything about it in the way and in and i'll be honest in the reality of it most of the time when i do that i get to a point where i'm like right 
I've essentially just confirmed everything which everyone else has told me, that it can't be done, it shouldn't be done, it probably won't exist, or you should buy it, you should just buy a product of it. And I do, you know? I don't feel bad about it. I spent a fun few weeks, or even months, or even years, researching, doing things, looking into things, to decide whether it works, to decide, you know, whether there was a better way of doing it. Instead of just accepting things... Instead of just going along with things and saying, oh, well, you know, it doesn't work, well, I guess I'm just going to have to accept what everyone says and, and stump up the cost to go do whatever. No, I just push back a little bit and say, hang on a minute, let's, let's have a look at this. And I think maybe that's the idea is that I, when I approach things, I don't think of a sunk cost fallacy because I approach things with the intention to fail. I approach things with the, the valid guidance that I know there's a, a good solid chance I'm going to suck. I'm going to fail at this. And that gives me that push in the right direction to say, well, if that's the case, it doesn't really matter if we fail. And if we succeed, then congratulations, that's great. You know, we did something good. We, we moved on from the world and, and we can just construct things about everything else and, and keep going. And I get that sunk cost fallacy is a hard thing to get out of, right? I do understand this. This isn't just me being blasé about the whole idea. It's just... It's something you need to be aware of. And I think people forget to be aware of it as an idea because you're so invested, you know. You're invested and you're passionate about your ideas and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, that's fantastic. It's just you need to also recognise the warning signs around you of when this is going to fail and that you can stop. You know, you can stop. You can leave that job, you can quit that relationship, you can stop the project, you can do a 360 and go, you know what, this doesn't work, it's not really going to come out in the format which I want it to, and just push in another direction. And it won't be wasted time. It won't be, you know, wasted money or effort. No one will think less of you. If anything, they'll think more of you. Because... They'll ask you when your next thing succeeds, how did you come to do this? And you'll say to them something along the lines of, well, for many years I was doing the wrong thing, and then I changed what I was doing. And they'll go, wow, that's incredible, that's really brave, that's that, that you can do that. Because in their brains, they'd be going, well, no, I would probably just run it into the ground or given up. It's much more, you know, brave and inspiring to do that. But you need to be aware of it to do that. And I think that's an important point. So a hundred and something episodes in. I think I said 170. But I'm probably sure this is like 174 or 75 at this point. We're still going. There's no sunk cost. And you can't fail at something which never had a goal to begin with. Right? <laughs> and on that note, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.